Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Blue Jays COT cast brought to you by TiplettTower.com. As always, I'm Crystal Kranitz, and joining me on this episode today is Jake Milton, who is fresh back from Italy. Jake, how was Italy, man? It was a lot of fun, and I recommend anybody who's never been to go, if whether it be uh, backpacking or staying in some nice places, it's an awesome place. I enjoyed myself a lot. Thanks for asking. So I know you live in the States, but you're originally from Canada. Were you repping, you know... American flag or the Canadian flag when you travel? I actually got told by my parents, who think that I'm going to get knifed and murdered whenever I go anywhere, <laughs> that uh, there's a good chance I'm going to get robbed, and <laughs> there's a better chance of me not getting robbed if I wear a Canadian flag on all my bags uh, instead of an American one. So, I mean, considering whenever I walked, everybody always asked if I was American, I don't think it really changed anyone's mind, but... <laughs> My parents looked like they were running for a prime minister with their little uh, Canadian flag pins in their shirts. So <laughs> I can only imagine, man. Well, we'll talk about Canada's baseball team then. Let's get into the Blue Jays here with uh, Kevin Pillar heading on the disabled list today. Obviously, that's kind of disappointing, but this is why they traded for Melvin Upton at the deadline, just in case anything like this was to happen. I guess now with Pillar going on the DL, it's, it's not that bad. Like They can kind of withstand this blow, or how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, Pilar, uh, I don't think he's been that great over the past couple weeks from the dish. Obviously, defensively, he's an elite defender, arguably one of the best defenders in the whole league. Uh, I mean, offensively, I don't think you're going to miss much. You're going to probably miss his energy and his defense, but that's, yeah, that's why you got Melvin Upton, who's looks like getting a regular place will really settle him in because he's had a rough go of it. He's got a hit tonight, so let's see if, uh, Let's see how he goes uh, over the next 15, 15 days. Yeah, because prior to tonight, he was 4 for 32 at the dish. Like He's had a really rough Melvin up. He's got the usual one walk, 14 Ks, but just the four hits. It looks like almost as he's pressing a bit at the plate right now. I think he's just trying too hard to fit in with his team. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's probably trying to go out and redeem himself to the fair ends, uh, and he's trying to just show that, he was the right acquisition for a team that has championship aspirations. 
Well, I hope Bossman figures it out. But the real big news with the Blue Jays, obviously, and I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sick of talking about it a little bit. It's Aaron Sanchez. It's the same stuff over and over about whether he's going to stay in the bull or stay in the rotation or head to the bullpen or what's going to happen there. Um, you got a piece coming out about it later on this evening about the whole Aaron Sanchez conundrum. You want to dip into that a bit there and share your thoughts on the whole Sanchez innings and him pitching as a whole? Yeah, I do. Um, I actually have been just was listening to it before Ross Atkins made a final decision the whole week and just got me really upset about them potentially taking not just the best starter on their team, but the best starter in arguably the league this season out of the rotation and putting him in the bullpen was an insane idea, especially when you're in a pennant race and not 10 games up in the division. But I mean, I think they made a really good decision to go to a six man rotation. They have, they're lucky enough to have the depth to have six starters regularly, regularly go out uh, once a week and, actually put together a pretty good pretty good pitching performance and I in my article I documented how it would work and how many innings it would save uh Aaron Sanchez and all that stuff so go and check it out well how many innings you got him going or not even innings you know what because I feel like the innings is a bit overrated because he doesn't throw a lot of what they call high stress innings this year he's been really good for that how many starts like how many more starts do you see him making I mean just based on the simple math they had about I think about 50, 50 games left, 50 or 60 games left. So about five starts. At, I think I had him penciled at 11, 11 starts if it was a five-man rotation. And obviously in a normal uh, six-man rotation, it went down to nine starts. So it saved him a couple couple innings on his arm. But I also think they're going to skip him a couple times in the order, which would be a wise decision. And I pen him down for about seven. Seven, okay, I can see. I feel like that's a fair number, too. My thing with him is that he hasn't thrown a lot of hard innings, like I was saying earlier, and his velocity stayed the same. When you look at what Brooks Baseball and Pitch Effects, they they track this stuff. April, he was 95.34 miles. May, 95.05. June, 95.89. July, 95.26. So he hasn't really tapered off at all or looked fatigued. So that's why I'm kind of wondering how the Jays are going to manage this in terms of are they going to give him the extra days off if his velocity stays the same? Does he need it? I, I would still prefer for him not to. I, I mean, some of the some of the teams that I have him pitching against, obviously, were the Royals and now the Astros, Indians, Twins, Rays, Red Sox, Angels, Yankees, and Orioles. Obviously, two teams right off the bat that you could probably afford to save them from are probably the Twins and the Angels teams, who are about probably twenty games under five hundred. Both of them. I'd rather just just keep those innings low and keep the pressure off his arms so he can pitch to really good teams in the playoffs because, I mean, I'd rather have him pitch a gem against Texas in October than against the Minnesota Twins in August. I totally agree with that sentiment. I think the thing with him, I don't. I think the whole innings aspect of how many innings he's throwing is a bit overrated. I agree. Just because, it's it's yeah. just a number. It doesn't make sense considering he's – some of the lowest pitches per inning for a starter in the league. I think he throws about 15, 14 or something. It's 15.04, I think. Uh, I so mean, it's, 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 it's different from R.A. Dickey, who's, who, throw, who threw 31 pitches in the first inning. I think Sanchez had only five high-stress innings, and a high-stress inning is, is classified as something that is over 30 pitches, so that's pretty impressive. A little overly impressive, considering – how little you you really think about that, but 
Yeah, I mean, when you think about how much he's transcended from this kind of a wild arm that had great stuff but couldn't control it too much in the minors to now somebody who can not only get strikeouts but generates a lot of ground balls. It's kind of crazy to see the transformation that he's undergone. I think the big thing with him is is the really big development of his curveball. I mean, last year when he was in the bullpen, obviously he was an elite arm outside of Carlos Beltran uh, wrecking a couple balls off of him. <laughs> he's got the elite two-seamer that seems to move like a slider but goes 96. And he had that slider that, that would really move from left to right and right to left. But he didn't have that, that knee-breaking breaking ball that he has now, that that twelve truce twelve to six that those great pitchers have the the Clayton Kershaws and, and the players like that he didn't have that wipeout curveball and now he does and it's just a really good pitch for his arsenal it goes from from uh, I think about seventy nine eighty miles an hour on the curveball which is a nice twenty twenty mile per hour dip from his fastball it, it really keeps the his opponents off balance. Yeah, the third pitch has been huge for his game this year because, like you said last year, I think that was part of the reason why the Jays were so confident sending him to the bullpen last year. He was a two-pitch guy, and they knew that, and most guys that can only throw two pitches end up in the bullpen. So seeing Sanchez get this curveball now, hey, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. He's easily one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in the American League. I think the American League Cy Young winner, if he qualifies for the innings, which he should. He should qualify, but don't you think a guy like maybe a Chris Sale, if he keeps up what he's doing? might get more uh, more votes. I don't know. There's been a lot of a lot of controversy with Chris Sale. I mean, yeah, he's been a great pitcher, but he he really started out hot as did the White Sox team and I don't know if you can really give a Cy Young to a team that is just disappointed so much. I mean, they started out so hot and they've just faded so badly. Uh he's obviously in the mix among some other guys, but I think Sanchez would, would definitely get it over over Chris Sale. Or maybe even like a Stephen Wright, or or what about a Jay Happ? I, I keep. Forgetting I was going to ask Jay you about Happ. Wright and Jay Happ next. I was going to bring up both those names, but I find it interesting how you said that you don't think a pitcher on a bad team can win the Cy Young. No, I find it equivalent to on a a bad player, on, like an MVP caliber player on a really bad team, i.e. Mike Trout. I mean, look what we saw last year. Obviously, people like to look at war and stuff like that, and I thought they had pretty similar seasons, Trout and Donaldson. Obviously, Donaldson got the edge because he was on a championship-quality team, and he led the team to a division title, and Mike Trout was on one of the worst teams in in the American League. And it's funny because we're going to have that debate again this fall. Exactly. Trout versus Donaldson. I'd feel bad for for Trout. They're just really wasting his prime years. I mean, I don't doubt the kid. Hey, Jersey kids, Jersey kids live on strong. But I, I don't know how long he can keep up this historic pace of what he's doing right now. I know he's only 25, but can't see him being this good for another 10 years. No, I would love to see them trade him though. I know they have nothing in the farm system. I know. They're they're stuck paying guys like Pujols and C.J. Wilson and Josh Hamilton, who's not even in their organization. The team's just an absolute mess. Try and think of a team that could accept him, though. I think I think the few teams that could do it would be probably the Boston Red Sox and the Dodgers. The Yankees, too. That farm system they're building up there, and now with they're going to pay a Rod. But let's face it, the Yankees have a ton of money. Texera's coming off the books. Beltran's gone. There's a lot of money that's off the books now for the Yankees, where they can. Start to make some moves in the next two years. Yeah, I know. They're, I was uh, I was kind of upset at some of the trades they made because I universally agreed with all of them, and that's not a good thing 
when it's a rival team. So, hey, we hope we don't hope that anybody anybody hurts themselves, but let's just say we hope they don't become as good as they can. I totally agree with you on that. But I got to admit, it was weird seeing the Yankees fan base happy that they were sellers. I know. I, haven't I have a lot ever, of friends like that. that are Yankees fans down here, and they were over the moon. Damn. Well, the Jays, I mean, they acquired Francisco Liriano to help, you know, lessen the load of uh, Aaron Sanchez. So we'll see how that works. So we'll get into him another episode, though, because there's, there's a lot to talk about. And, and what was a great deal, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that was just a benefit of Rodgers' They, you know, they're leading the league, American League in attendance. TV's way up, all the ratings. So it's just they had some money to spend, and they spent it on that trade. I was actually reading a um, an interesting article on on the television numbers of teams across the major leagues, and obviously the Blue Jays. I mean, it might not be obvious to people, but the Blue Jays are by far and away the highest uh, rated team in the entire Major League Baseball, and they're actually more than two times the viewership of uh, Yes, which is Yankees Entertainments and Sports, and is the Yankees uh, Network, which shocked me. Yeah, I would never guess two times. That's a lot. Yeah, two times. Well, I guess Rogers is going to make up for all those billions they spent on the NHL, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, since it sounds like we both agree with Aaron Sanchez and you know the way they're going to balance out his workload and then hopefully save him for the postseason, like you said, use him in a Texas series. Let's get into a little little fun thing that we have here where you and I, we both do our typical research throughout the week. Um, I like to go through the five stats that I find are a bit bizarre, the beyond-the-box score type deal with the Blue Jays. And then you got the new minor league report, which I think is going to be a lot of fun for us to go through all the minor leaguers. So uh, you ready to get into that? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'll go through the five stats here, beyond-the-box score, all that stuff first. Um, these are five things I just dig up throughout the week. first one I found was... Edwin Encarnacion leads the majors with 13 no-doubt home runs, according to ESPN's Hit Tracker Online. So what they measure is just pretty much home runs that would clear any park based on where they're hit. Right. Edwin Encarnacion leads the league with 13. Giancarlo Stanton's second with 10. Mike Napoli's second with 10 as well. Nelson Cruz and Mark Trumbo, they round out. They're all tied for second with 10 each. I just think it's a testament to how much Edwin Encarnacion has really mashed the ball this year. He's one home run away from 300 now. He hit another solo shot tonight. Man, I, there's not much to say about EE this season. Just pay the guy, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's if anybody had any debate over which got which one of the big outfield for or one of the big hitters that you should sign from the Jays. I mean, it's got to be Edwin. I, I pretty much go to the guy and give him a blank check for whatever he wants. I mean, I've heard them offering any uh, offering anywhere from three years for over for seventy five million. I mean, I think that makes sense. He's three years younger than Batista. He's a clearly better hitter. I mean, he can play first base, something that Jose can't do. And also, you could also get a really good first-round draft pick as compensation for both of them. But it just helps that you're getting it for at least one. Yeah, we'll get into that part. There's a lot of different things they can do with that, like qualify offer and all sorts of things to keep Batista, in my opinion. Uh, the other stat I had was Devin Travis. Obviously, obviously, he's been a lightning rod of conversation recently. Since the All-Star break, Travis is batting 351, 390, 584 with six doubles, four homers, and ten ribbies. Most of that, well, recently at least this past week, has came out of the leadoff spot. So I know fans that were crying for Devin Travis to hit in the leadoff spot. We're seeing it now, and it looks like a smart move. Wouldn't you agree? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, you lo- they were talking about this on the radio today, how much of a steal that trade was by Alex Anthopoulos by trading him for Anthony Goes, who's still in AAA in Detroit. I mean, what an excellent deal that was. I think he's a perfect fit for this team. Just obviously setting the pace. He got a leadoff triple today and gave Jose Batista a nice little RBI. Uh, I mean, I think it's a perfect fit, and I think he's going to be a a cornerstone for this team for the next 10 years. I'd agree with that. And I love the home run he hit off Calvin Herrera the other night. That thing was a bomb. Yeah, anything to rub salt into the wounds of Casey, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I think we both can share. I'm going to call it hate for Casey because I hate them personally. I can't stand them. Uh, the thing that, that really irked me was that they couldn't beat your Donna Ventura. It's a guy I really, really dislike. Yeah, I think I think the entire league agrees with me too. So, oh yeah, he's a punk. I mean, all the antics he has on the mound, hitting guys, just throwing tantrums. He's just he, he's just a punk, man. Uh, let's just say he's lucky that he plays a a non-contact sport, or else he'd probably be in the league. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Another stat that I had here was um, actually it kept going tonight. The Blue Jays hit their seventeenth consecutive solo home run tonight. So. <laughs> That's it's not what bad. you want. Uh, no. Yeah, but I mean, it's still kind of crazy. They've hit 17 in a row. And then last series against the Astros, they set an MLB record with 59 strikeouts during a four-game series. That's also not what you want, but it's also something pretty interesting. And that series, I mean, both the Astros and the Jays were striking on a ton. It was a bad series to watch because the only offense there was was solo home runs. That was it. I know. It was a great pitching matchup. I mean... Obviously, the stuff that some of these Astros pitchers have is is pretty absurd. But I mean, just the performance from Marcus Stroman—he he looked really filthy down there. Yeah, he looked really good, and we saw the debut of Danny Barnes, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, he actually had a nice little nice little fastball going there and got some big strikeouts. I think it was good to see that the bullpen is uh is not as bad as people think. No, it's rounding the form with some really unsuspecting names like guys like Grilly. Hopefully Barnes now, Biadini. Like, there's a lot of good, a lot of good pieces there. Yeah, exactly. Last that I got here is three of the top ten starting pitchers in the American League for ERA are Toronto Blue Jays. I think most people know this one by now. Number one is Aaron Sanchez. Number three is Marco Estrada. Number seven is Jay Happ. Entering the season, there's no way in hell anybody thought this was going to happen. We thought the rotation would be serviceable, but it's been more than that. It's been arguably the best rotation in not only the American League, in all of baseball. Exactly. And I, I never thought I'd say that entering this season. Neither would I. I. I didn't even think they'd be the number one pitching staff in the division. Yeah, me neither. And so I thought that was pretty crazy. That, but. Yeah, I mean, they're overachieving a bit, obviously, but at the same time, they're pitching really, really well. Which is great to see for this. If this offense can pick it up, and you know, hopefully they can after that past road trip, but... It would be dangerous to see if they could get some seriously good hitting behind that pitching. Seriously. And it makes you wonder, too, though, if Marco Estrada was healthy, what would that look like? Because he's pitching really well and he's not even healthy. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think uh, those are the five stats there. Let's get right into the minor league report here because there's there's some players that have been lighting it up this past week. Yeah, there has. I mean, the first guy I'll get into is obviously uh, the Jays' top prospect who just got Promoted to Double A New Hampshire, it's Richard Urena, the shortstop for the Dominican Republic. I mean, this guy's just moved up a couple games ago. This I think this past week, and is he raking? I mean, he's and he's had tw- in five games. He's batting four twenty nine with two triples, a double, and three RBIs. 
and four runs. So, I mean, if this guy can keep up even anywhere close to this pace, I, I think I could see him getting to the majors as soon as next year. Wow. As soon as next year. Where's he going to play? I mean, you find a you find a place for really good players, in my opinion. But obviously, if Ryan Goings keeps playing badly, you can find you can find a place for him as maybe the backup to Tulowitzki or something like that. But you never know. I this kid has got loads and loads of talent. I mean, his his debut game against against Akron, he had went three for five with two runs and had a triple leadoff triple, and he he's just been incredible. Okay. I mean, I'm so surprised you said he'd uh, make it to the majors next year. Maybe not a Blue Jays uniform, but man, yeah, it's high price. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the second guy has got to be the big boy Rowdy Tellez, who's also in New Hampshire. I mean, yep. in the past past ten games, he's batting three sixty with seven RBIs, three home runs, uh, fourteen hits, and seven runs. I mean, this guy's just showing that he's a professional hitter. Obviously probably going to be deemed like a first baseman he's a pretty big guy but is he a professional hitter and now he's hitting 300 on the season in uh in double a new hampshire and who knows he should probably start next year in uh triple a buffalo i think that'd be a really good spot for him to start and maybe like you said transition him to first base depending on what the jays do in the offseason yeah if not i mean maybe he could work out as like a dh or a corner outfielder stick him in left field maybe obviously with the younger guys you you'd want him to play a position so maybe work on his defense and leave the dh for a guy hopefully like edwin but you never know that'd be ideal and as for the as for the jays top pitching prospect it's Sean Reed Foley who's who's at in Dunedin, which is cl- high high class a i mean this guy's just been lighting it up i mean over his past 10 starts, he's 7-1 he's and one with a 1.88 ERA with a filthy 72 strikeouts in 62 innings. The guy's allowed 32 hits in 62 innings. I mean, I don't know how this man is still in Class A. He should be moving up to Double A and probably will be there all next year and could be a September call-up next year. Yeah, I could honestly see that with Sean Reed Foley. I think they want to see him kind of throw a little bit more innings and develop his third pitch a bit more. Man. He has been lights out in Dunedin. I mean, he was one of those guys that they that was an overslot pick that, you know, they gave a high bonus to. He was had a good commitment to, I believe it was Florida State, and was a big time athlete and was thought to be a hard sign. They were lucky enough to get him under contract, and it's proved to be a really good signing for the Jays. His opponents are hitting 179 against him in 113 innings. Damn, he's a big kid too. He's like six two, six three. I think he sits about two ten. Yeah, fastball sits low nineties, ninety two, ninety three. He can hump it up to ninety four, ninety five. I mean, there's a lot to like there. Yeah, I mean the other, the Jays pitching prospects have been pretty good. Um, another guy that I wanted to highlight was last year's first first round pick, John Harris. I mean, he's also had a pretty good uh, past ten starts. I mean, his last ten last ten appearances, he's four and two with a two six ERA. And 55 innings pitched with 41 strikeouts. I mean, again, Harris was a really accomplished pitcher. I think he went to Missouri State. And, you know, he was a weird pick by the Jays. He was a little – it was a little over over slot for him. They thought he was going to go a little lower. But they said he's he's a pretty good pitcher. Got two-pitch mix with a, a plus fastball that can hit about 95. And he's one of those those tall righties. He's got to add weight. Reminds me a lot of like Sanchez in that he's got a really lean body, but he's a really tall, sturdy kid. 
So, I mean, he should also move up to – he's in high A now, could be in double A next year. But, I mean, outside of that, that's those are two of the, the Jays' higher-end pitching prospects. And, I mean, one of the last pitchers that I'll highlight is their first-round pick from this year, uh, TJ Zook out of uh, Pittsburgh. You know, another – Another uh, their first round pick, obviously this year he's had a pretty good start in in a short league in Vancouver for the Vancouver Canadians. He's had a two two five ERA in sixteen innings pitch, which is thirteen strikeouts. It's not a bad start at all. Yeah, I think he's somebody that they'll see maybe work his way to Double A next year. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I would be pretty psyched if he was in Class A Dunedin by the end of next year. I mean, I think that'd be a good place for him. I think Double A might be a little little fast tracked. Yeah, but I think so too. I see him maybe being in the majors, maybe like a September call up, uh, maybe not next year, but the year after that. So I think the 2018 season would be a good fit for him. And I think my my stud of the year, not even stud of the week, goes to Bo Bichette, who is obviously a guy that you know not a lot of Jays fans had heard of, and he was an 18 year old high schooler. He was taken in the, in the second round this year out of Orlando, Florida. And Jesus, is this you want to talk about raking? This kid's hitting almost 500 in the rookie league. Well, a lot of fans know his dad. A lot of fans are familiar with uh, Dante Bichette. Yes, and so doesn't he, they remember him? He was huge. He has a brother too. I'm pretty sure the the brother's that Dante sure. too. Pretty sure the brother. Yeah, so Dante. Dante Jr. Yes, and I think he's with either the Indians or something like that. Look that up right now, because Dante Bichette was just a. He's beast. with the New York Yankees. Sorry. The Yankees, okay. He's at the Trenton Thunder, which is uh, the double A of the Yankees. Yeah, another big kid, too, six one two ten. Yep. Looks bigger in the photo, too. I mean, his frame, good size, everything. Yeah, but Bo, for the season's hitting four twenty one In 20 games, he's got 35 RBIs. I mean, if that doesn't tell you the the ceiling for this kid, as an 18-year-old, it is pretty incredible. I mean, I have a lot, I have really high hopes for this kid next year. Maybe he maybe starts at the year with Class A Dunedin, so high high A ball, but it should be exciting. They got some pretty good infield prospects. There's two players that I'm very excited to watch come up, and that's Bo, and then the other guy is obviously Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Those are the two guys that I I'm just anxious to watch play. We might have to wait a little bit for them. I see them maybe three years from now. So. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Three years from now, but at the same time, it's gonna be fun to watch them come through the minors. Yeah, it's it's also nice seeing that. You know, the the new guys added, uh, Harold Ramirez, obviously he got hurt. I think he got hit in the foot or something like that, and, and he had to get an MRI. And the catcher also coming up and, and having a pretty good start, too, Reese McGuire. I think Reese McGuire will be the backup catcher next year behind uh, Russell Martin. I'd be all for that. I think that would be a great great decision for them because he's young. He'll be a cheap contract, somebody they can afford, and he's – Pretty damn good defensively. They don't even really hit. Elite defensively. Yeah. He's lauded by scouts as the best defensive catcher in all of baseball. Prospect. That's that's the defensive catcher prospect in all of baseball, which is pretty high praise. Any prospects have a rough week? Anybody that stood out to you for the wrong reasons? Yeah, I mean, uh, the guy I'm going to highlight only is Connor Green. I mean, he got lit up in in double-A. I think he had about six runs in two innings. He just did not look good. Obviously, um, he's one of the Jays' top pitching prospects, but he hasn't had a real good go of it the past couple months. So we'll see where he goes from there. But, yeah, it was a pretty bad week for him. Damn. And that's nobody else, really? 
Uh, no, I mean... Actually, you know what? Here, I think fans should understand the way you're kind of grading this criteria, too, because you're not including players that are of a certain age or no, class. I, I would, What's the criteria you're looking for here? I'm looking for guys that are not qualified, so under 50 games, so Dalton Pompey is not allowed, and I generally am not looking for somebody that's over, like, 20, 22, 23, so... Like, guys like fringe prospects like Dalton Pompey, who is obviously a good player that should be seeing time with the Jays, but he's having a rough patch as well with Buffalo. Um, he'll be a September call-up, but, you know, that's really how I'm, I'm going through it. I'm basically looking at younger guys that won't be seeing the big leagues in at least a couple of years. So genuine prospects is really what you're looking for then? Correct, yes. Okay. Because I think some people out there are probably wondering, where's guys like Dalton Pompey? Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, I totally agree with that though. I mean certain guys that are on the fringe, they're fun to talk about once in a while, but it's the younger kids that I, I find are more exciting and I think you feel the same way. Exactly. So kinda of, kinda of putting a a name a name uh, a face to the name of, of the guys that people haven't heard of that obviously were talked about in trade rumors this past year. I mean or this past week actually. I mean Richard Urena, I think it was really good of the Jays to not trade him for a couple of years of a guy like uh, Irvin Santana, I thought that was a, a nice move. But I, I think it was also a great move for the Jays picking up two of their now top five prospects in Harold Ramirez, Harold Rodriguez, Harold Ramirez, and Reese McGuire. So a steal for them. I mean, sure they had to pay, but at the same time, it was a lot better. Yes. So when you look at the whole AL East, though, I know it's fun to talk about the prospects the whole time. I mean, both of us could do that for a while. But when you look at the American League East, the Jays are right in the thick of a race here with Baltimore and Boston. How great is Manny Machado? Yeah, the guy's pretty good. Uh, it just seems like every every single ball he hits, though, is just a foot, another foot that he moves going out the door because I don't see how Baltimore can pay him what he's probably going to command, probably almost a quarter of a billion dollars, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah, no, I can see that, actually, now that I think about it. Man, because if he's going to get that, what the heck is Bryce Harper going to get? Half a billion dollars. See, it's funny, because I asked Buster Olney at Pitch Talks here in Toronto back in uh, February what he thinks he could get. He said $400 million, and don't be surprised if he gets $500 million, like you just said. Exactly. That is insane. Because he's so young, he's so marketable, I mean, he's just a really elite athlete. Obviously, he's having a a rough year of it this year, but he's got obviously an MVP season at 22 years old, which is ridiculous. It is. So when we use fan graphs here, we pull up their projected standings for the rest of the season. They got the Blue Jays winning the AL East with a 91 and 71 record. And then they got the Orioles finishing second in 90 and 72. And the Red Sox are tied with them with a 90 and 72 record. I feel like that's pretty good projections. I hope it doesn't come down to that close, but I mean, yeah, I think I can't see the Red Sox finishing any anywhere above third. Obviously, I think the the Orioles are going to fall back. I say that every day, though, and yeah, they continue to surprise me. But, I mean, they are in a stretch right now that is a very, very favorable schedule. And just after this series against Oakland, they just get murderous uh, um, just group of games. Obviously, they got to go against the – the Blue Jays, who they have a very rough time against, the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees. Obviously, those AL East, those AL East opponents are very tough. 
But, hey, they keep proving people wrong. We'll see where they go. But I don't see them winning the division. I think this is the Jays' division to lose. But if the batting keeps keeps uh, disappointing like it has the past week, you never know. I think it is I, – I can't, I can't not agree with you on that. I mean, it is the Blue Jays' division to lose, in my opinion, as well. The Orioles have to regress at some point. And if they don't, I don't know how. Like, they're just literally defying numbers and – Winning off of baseball, that doesn't really, it's not your conventional baseball anymore. Like back in the day, striking out a lot, hitting three run shots, playing the way they do, that worked. But nowadays, it's just, they're so different that I don't know how it's working. Yeah. It's just bizarre. I mean, just just past this series against Oakland, obviously they had a, a nice little easy stretch against the White Sox, but they play a, a four gamer in Oakland where, if people don't know, the Orioles are very bad on the road. But yep. a- after that, they have to go to San Francisco for three games, then to Boston for two, Houston for four, then the one of the best teams in the in the major leagues, Washington for four games, then at the Yankees, then come home to finish August against the Blue Jays. I'd be surprised if they were over 500 on that schedule. Not even get because they're I don't think they're a good team, but those are just the, those are some of the, I think uh, some of the top five teams in all of baseball. I mean. The Giants obviously got their elite pitching, the one-two duo, one, duo of Cueto and and Bumgarner, who they will be facing. And you got Boston, who's got bats upon bats upon bats. And then you got the Nationals with their pitching staff. And then obviously the Yankees are always tough in the Bronx. And then the Jays at home. So and still a bunch of really, really tough games. And you also got Houston, who even though they've had a rough patch the past couple of weeks, they were still a very good team, and they should be in the. They're hunting for the playoffs as well, so that will, yeah, be, that, that will be a true test of how how uh, legit the Orioles are. If they come out of that winning maybe sixty six percent of those games, I think it's their division to win. Well, if you put that in perspective, four of those teams that you just listed: the Dodger or uh, the Giants, sorry, the Nationals, the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox are all projected to win ninety or more games by FanGraphs. Exactly. That's a lot. And if if you take away the Cubs, who are projected to win 100 games, the Nationals are the second best team in baseball with 95 wins, projected at least right now. Yeah, they're, they're, good, Fangraphs has. they're a good team. Yeah, they're flying under the radar a little bit. It's not your typical Nationals hype where we expect them to kind of either win the NL or at the very least be in the NLCS. This year, I think they're a little bit quieter. I think, I think there's, a, they can thank there's, the Cubs. A, there's a big difference between them. I think the fact that they got Daniel Murphy from the Mets – is has been incredible. I mean, the guy's hitting almost 360, and geez, the Mets got to be kicking themselves now, thinking that he's not worth the 15 million dollar qualifying qualifying offer over over three years that the Nationals gave him. I mean, how good would he look in that New York Mets lineup with Cespedes and Votto? They'd probably be close to a playoff team, and it looks like they'll probably miss out on playoff baseball with that with that elite rotation, which is sad to see. Yeah, and it's uh, Cespedes and Bruce, Votto still in some Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry. But when you think about what the Mets did, though, at the deadline, trying to acquire offensive pieces, maybe they wouldn't have had to if they had Daniel Murphy. Maybe maybe not. I mean, they didn't really give up a lot, but still, even if they were at, able to add a guy like uh, Jay Bruce to that lineup, that would probably be uh, – uh, they'd probably, in my opinion, be in the NLCS probably against the Cubs again, and hopefully – Hopefully for the Cubs it doesn't go as bad as it did last year, but <laughs> yeah, seriously, that was unbelievable. Looking at the week ahead for the Blue Jays, they get Tampa Bay. Obviously they're playing right now. They're beating them four two. 
Encarnacion singling a pair there, so that obviously helps out. Um, they're playing the Rays and the Astros this week, both games at home. Thoughts on how the Jays will do? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that road trip was tough on them. I mean, obviously, there's nothing like home, and I think the Jays are probably probably have the highest home field advantage of, of any team in baseball. I mean, obviously, there's some teams that are really good at home, like Baltimore and and San Francisco and Texas and teams like that, but... You know, the Jays just hit so much better in Toronto than outside on the road. And they were really relying on their pitching. And obviously the, the offense has showed up a little more now. They got four runs in five innings. But I, I think it, it will be good for good for the boys to come back for a week, uh, sleep in their own bed, and, and get get that uh, love from the home fans. I think they should do pretty well. I'd, uh, I'd actually be surprised if they didn't go 5-2. and two. Yeah, I actually think that's a fair number to say. Um, they hit a lot better at home, like you were just saying. 260 batting average at home as opposed to 232 on the road. OPS is 60, almost 60 points higher at home. I mean, the home runs aren't there, which is kind of surprising. I mean, they only have 74 home runs at home and 85 on the road. You think that number might be inversed a bit, but maybe we'll see more of that this series. Tampa's been a thorn in their side, though, for years. That's the only thing that kind of worries me. Yeah, I mean, they're one of those annoying teams, but obviously – they don't have the offensive power power that they've had in the past. And the pitching has been awful this year. I mean, just completely non raise Like, I mean, the best pitcher has been Jake Odorizzi, who up until tonight had not allowed an earned run since July 17th. Obviously that that was broken up in a big way today on the first, on the second batter of the game that was broken up. But I mean, outside of that, it, I think they pitch against Blake Snell, who's their really high, highly tabbed rookie. So you know how much Jays like feasting on rookies. So, yep. Although Blake Snell's done pretty well, I mean, but yeah, to your point, the Jays have absolutely crushed them. Yep. Especially rookies. Looking at the Houston series, though, there's a couple guys with some really good splits against uh, Houston. You got Devin Travis, who's keeping up. Most of most of his damage came in the last series. That's the only time they've played Houston this year. Yeah. So obviously Devin Travis, Russell Martin, Josh Donaldson, those are guys that had a really good series. So I think I'd look for them to continue. I'd like to see Bautista pick it up a bit. Um, and there's only four games against Houston this series, just three for 16. That's a little bit disappointing, but I feel like he could easily bump that back up. Yeah, I think it was big for them to get some some hits, some big hits with runners in scoring position. I mean, that's what Greg Zahn was talking about on, on pregame today, was that the Jays haven't really gotten hits in – in scoring position, which is true. I mean, that's what plagued them. I think they were hitting like like one one sixty or something with runners in scoring position on the road. So, obviously, Edwin with the big two run single to catch two with two outs was big. But you know, it's it it would be nice to see the offense pick it up, considering uh, how the uh, pitching basically put them on their back that whole whole road trip. Yeah, I think they'll do the same though. The pitching this series, like I could see them mashing against Tampa. But Houston, considering they're such a high strikeout team, I could easily see the pitching kind of headlining on the weekend. Yeah, it will also be interesting to see Liriano get a second start, his first at home, see how he handles that. I mean, obviously, if if uh, if you weren't watching him against Kansas City, he was ve- he looked very good, even flashing up to 96 on the gun, which I was I was loving that. You know, seeing a lefty that can hit 96 on the gun, even for a 33 year old. I mean, that's something to look out for in Toronto. I think he should have a lot of energy, especially considering that game is going to be on the weekend. That should be some a lot of fun for him, pitching in front of 50,000 people. But I think he gets double-digit Ks. 
That'd be in, I mean, I'll just take if he gives us six and a six and a third with one run. I mean, that'd be good. I'll take. I'll, I'll take that too. I'll take what he had today too with uh, you know, six, six innings pitched with three uh, with two uh, two earned runs. That was a pretty good start against KC. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just think he's gonna get double digit Ks on the weekend. Houston strikes out a ton. They're okay against lefties, but they're not great. I just I could easily see him racking up double digit case. Yeah, it's a it's a probably a prop bet you could you could put some money on him for. Oh no, yeah, I'll have money on that for sure. Degenerate special right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that covers it all for this week though in terms of uh the Blue Jays pod here. Anything else you want to touch on before we go? Uh no. Other than, other than uh oh god, just a t- dicky another wild pitch, so it's a two run double so the game's tied, but other than that, we'll see. Just, just the, just the, the, the little knuckleball. You never know what you're gonna get. Luckily, he's not gonna be on the playoff roster, and this just shows why. So, okay. So, considering he's not gonna be in the playoff roster, do we not just throw him nonstop until then? Anytime, like any Sanchez off day. Dickie. Yeah, I mean they're pulling him now in the fifth, which is a good decision considering he just let up a two-run double to some scrub. Um, I mean, yeah, I would just throw him. I throw him as, as much as I could because you know his arm obviously can't fall off because he doesn't he doesn't have that joint in his elbow that causes you to get fatigued. So <laughs> I'd rather sacrifice him for some Aaron Sanchez later totally on the season. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully throw more Dicky. I know I can't believe I'm just saying that fans want Dicky gone off the team. All that <laughs> every night, man. Like the calls after any Dicky start is hilarious. They'll be gone next year. I promise. I promise. Well, we'll get two roster spots, Dickie and Tolly. Exactly, Tolly, who oh, is basically equivalent to a homeless person just playing baseball. <laughs> He's awful. I mean, his only job was to catch the knuckleball, and he has two pass balls. To, no, three pass balls today. So, I mean, uh, let's just say I'll be packing his bags and walking to the airport. Uh, yeah, I'll be right there with you, man. I'll even drive him. It doesn't matter to me. Just get him... I like Dickie because he's, you know, eating up innings and all that, but it's just time to move on. Yeah, R.A. Dickie is obviously a guy it's easy to root for. I mean, he's a great guy who's overcame a lot. If you haven't heard of his story, uh, check it out on E60. I'm sure it's on YouTube or something like that where he overcame uh, sexual abuse from his uncle, I believe. But, you know, he's a guy easy to root for. Obviously, he's great for a knuckleballer to win a Cy Young, probably something you will never see. Actually, considering Stephen, how good Stephen Wright is, that actually might be broken. But yeah, you might see it. Yeah, that would be interesting. But we hope Sanchez wins it this year. Which I think he'll have a really good shot if he qualifies. Yeah, exactly. And keeps winning games unless Jay Happ wins like twenty-three games. Yeah, <laughs> which isn't out of the question considering he's won fifteen and he's got oh, he's got nine starts left. So it, yeah, if he wins out, I mean, there's no, <laughs> it's no joke. Uh, you're not kidding when you say he could win out because he pretty much has won out the whole the whole time. I mean, and he'll get the run support too. He's been getting it recently. Yeah, depending on on how he uh, how many starts he gets. Obviously, I said nine because the six man rotation. But you don't know if they're going to be skipping starts and having guys. So maybe he gets ten. They'd be lucky if he gets ten. But I think it would be really good for a guy like that to win a Cy Young. And what a signing that is. I'm okay with uh, David Price going to going to Boston now. Likewise, and I think Russell Martin should get a lot more credit for the job he's done with his pitching staff this year. Oh, he's been incredible. I mean, the guy's been a godsend. Obviously, people aren't happy with his hitting, and I don't blame them, but he's been serviceable as a hitter, and he's had some some pretty big hits, 
when it mattered. Obviously, the the tie won the tie uh, solo shot against the Astros. They were unfortunately uh, they weren't able to win, but you know he's he's got that veteran leadership and obviously he handles the staff incredibly well. So you know that in itself is worth what he gets paid. So he yeah he does deserve a lot of credit and he worked really really well with Liriano on the weekend. Yep and. To be fair, though, for his offense, he had that 22-game streak where he reached base. That was just recent. I think it's still going, actually. I think so. it just hurt him that he started out so slow, and then he had to pick it of up. Of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, if you look at him, his numbers the past two months, they're actually pretty solid for a catcher. But yeah, Him and Tulo have really picked yeah, up. Yeah, they have. But it's just unfortunate they had as bad of starts as they did. I agree. We'll see, though. I mean, the second half has been good for him so far. On that note, though, I think we'll close this out and get out of here. All right, sounds good. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this week's show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, at Tip of the Tower. You can also like our Facebook page, at Tip of the Tower. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me on Twitter, at Crystal Cranitz. If you want to reach out to Jake, you can reach him at JakeMiddleton12 on Twitter. And as always, please subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think about it. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done